Blog Talk Radio. It's time for the Roots and Roots Show with your host, Greg Rashid, bringing you history and music from the Black American diaspora. Greg and his guests' goal is to root the show's information in your psyche, providing you the roots to expand knowledge within your community. Now here's your host, Greg Rashid. Well, I want to say good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you may be listening to the program. This is Greg Rashid with another edition of the Root and Root Show. And, you know, for a lot of folks, you heard at your convenience, this show. A lot of people listen, um, you know, at the, at the live show. At the, it's easy for me to say. They listen live, you know, but a lot of folks listen at their convenience. And they listen also if they're in Colorado on every Sunday at 3 p.m. on KUHSDenver.com, created by the one and only, the legendary Henry Archuleta. And I just want to say hi to all my friends in the Colorado region. Hope you enjoy the show as those who enjoyed the other shows. I'm doing something a little different tonight. And it might be the start of this way of doing my show, but I um, am going to be interviewing an author of a new book. I really got fascinated in this book. And it's not, some of you may think, well, God, you're deviating from your program as far as talking about black history or something, but not really, because this show has to deal with um, the term, you know, I've talked about a lot and I've had shows about blackface, but on this show, we're going to be talking about yellowface in a sense, because I'm going to be interviewing the author of the new book, Karloff in the East. Asian, Indian, Middle Eastern, and Oceania characters and subjects in his screen career. And the Karloff is Boris Karloff. So some of you younger folks may not know Boris Karloff. And I have to say, he's one of my all-time favorite actors from the golden age of Hollywood. Some of you will know him because he is the one that was the monster in the original Frankenstein movie, 1932, if I'm not mistaken. And and you see the creation of the Frankenstein monster on everything since that time, even a show like The Monsters and all, the face was the face of Boris Karloff. And he did so many horror movies and mystery movies and all, but a great actor and a gentle man from what I've learned from so many people. And you would never suspect that this guy who was like murder you in a minute in a movie was such a kind person, but he was. And the thing is, um, I like most of his movies, but the ones that always made me kind of cringe is when he would do what we call yellowface. He would he would play a role of an Asian, be it um, the mysterious uh, Mr. Wong. He was a detective that was similar to Charlie Chan. And we'll be doing a show eventually about the whole history of Charlie Chan and then a future segment of the Root & Root show. He did a... Um, he also did The Mummy, and he played the Egyptian in that. And he did his worst, I think his worst portrayal is in The Mask of Fu Manchu. And that's just awful, but my guests will talk about that. And the thing is that um, Karloff was, he was from Britain, but my guests will tell you what, where he really, you know, his family background. And there's things I didn't know that made me have a new appreciation of him and of the roles he was doing. 
So I'm going to right now, I want, I want you to meet my guest, and I'm being a little hesitant because I've never done this before, but I'm going to be interviewing Scott Allen Nolan. He's the author of the book, Karloff in the East, and it's on McFarland Press. And Scott is currently in Indonesia. And there was no way we could just do this time thing with me still being in America and he being over there. So what we did is that I asked if he could send send me some um, MP3s of the interview. So I asked him some questions, and he sent his responses via MP3. And so what I'm going to do now, I'm going to be playing these. So it's going to be completely different. He's going to be saying the questions that I asked him. And then he's going to respond to it. And I hope you enjoy this. This is a little different, but, you know, it's something I might do more of, you know, where I can get more opportunities to talk to people around the world this way. So right now, let's hear Scott Allen Nolan talking about Boris Karloff and his roles as far as playing Asian on the Root & Root Show. Hello, uh, Greg. This is Scott. I'm going to uh, read your question and then give a slight pause, and then my answer, and then another pause, and so on and so forth. And hopefully that'll make it fairly easy to edit. What got you interested in writing a number of books about Karloff? To date, I have written four entire books about Boris Karloff. The fourth, The Body Snatcher, will be out soon and he also looms large in several others. My interest has spanned a half century, but it began with my mother, who let me stay up late on a Saturday night at age five in 1968 to watch the 1931 Frankenstein. His performance as the tragic creature began my lifelong championing of the underdog, you could say. I later had the pleasure of knowing Karloff's widow, Evelyn for the last 12 years of her life and have known and collaborated with his daughter Sarah Jane for over 25 years. I was interested in your book because I have always liked Karloff and since I was a child in the 60s but I always cringed when I saw him play Asian and Indian roles. I would always look at these roles as an insult to Asians. Tell my listeners what you discovered in Karloff's background that makes these roles not as cringe-worthy as I thought. I can understand an initial cringing, but like all such performances, they need to be viewed in light of the historical context, which involves a complex mix of social, political, and economic issues. The performances of the actors who were 100% Anglo and European obviously have not aged well and may often be perceived as insulting. But Karloff is a different kettle of fish, as he might say. It wasn't until fairly recently, due to my own research and that of a couple other writers, that his ancestry was fully known, that he was half Eastern, Indian to be specific. So taking each character and performance separately is the best choice. 
Unlike so many other actors, Karloff, who was atypical, cannot simply be written off with a dismissive, take offense sort of response. Otherwise, there would have been no reason at all to write this book. What have other Asians you know said about Karloff's Asian roles? I have watched Karloff's performances in, in these films and discussed them with many people of Asian origins and ancestry over the decades, including Japanese, Chinese, Indian, and Southeast Asian. Among them, Karloff's only child, Sarah Jane, and my wife, Yuyun Yuningsi Nolan, who worked on Karloff and the East with me. I've never really received any overly harsh evaluations or negative comments in general. Which of his roles in a sound picture as an Asian do you find the most insulting? The one role in a sound film long considered insulting is the title character in the overtly racist The Mask of Fu Manchu, released by MGM in 1932. That film was protested in its day and has remained pretty indefensible ever since. Even when all the factors are taken into account, especially its historical and literary origins, specifically uh, the background and ideology of the author Sachs Romer, and even Karloff's own attitude about the film being so ridiculous that it can't be taken seriously, it's a very difficult film to watch. Since the film is valuable as a historical document in helping to understand the context of the times in which it was made, I would never recommend canceling it out, but it's not one I enjoy seeing. I've necessarily had to watch it many times, but it would take a, a really uh, serious issue to get me to sit through it again although I think others should watch it at least once. So uh, if you're going to address the film and then talk about the issues that it deals with, you really need to, to know the content of it. So you're not just making a snap judgment based on uh, rumor or hearsay. You should really watch the film if you can manage to sit through it. There are some positive aspects about it, mainly the, the MGM production design and uh, the overall uh, technical aspects of it. But as far as the content goes, it's, it's a hard pill. Which of his sound pictures do you find him playing an Asian in a respectful manner? And which one of Karloff's sound films playing an Asian would you recommend to someone new to Karloff? As far as respectful performances, I would say that Karloff was always respectful of his material. 
no matter what the content may have been. However, there were some roles, like Fu Manchu, which he refused to take seriously at the time, and therefore played them a bit tongue-in-cheek or even over-the-top, like Fu Manchu, obviously. His other Asian roles were all approached seriously, especially Ardeth Bay in The Mummy, the resurrected character, after you see him as Imhotep, the 3,700-year-old, or dead, as you could say, mummy, who's only in the first scene. And then as Ardeth Bay, he uh, carries the rest of the film. And uh, in 1932, especially in the early sound period, when a lot of the acting was very mannered and sometimes theatrical and, and overplayed, uh, Ardeth Bay is, is one of Karloff's absolutely brilliant, very subtle, uh, restrained characterizations due uh, in part to the nature of, of the character being uh, a resurrected uh, mummy and therefore he's going to be a, a little bit restrained and, and contained uh, in the first place. But also, his, he, he deliberately chose that approach to play the character uh, because uh, Karloff could be so powerful as an actor that he didn't have to do a whole lot to, to seem to be overacted. So oftentimes, he would underplay the character so it would seem more believable, more convincing. And Ardeth Bay is a complex role uh, involving a lot of historical social and religious elements, as well as the whole horror genre aspect. So he had a lot to think about when he was formulating his approach to playing that character. And it's one that holds up extremely well uh, almost 90 years later. And it's, it's always, for me, it's always been a pleasure to watch him uh, play that character. And I've always recommended the film, uh, especially since it's so beautifully directed by Karl Freund, the great uh, Austrian uh, cinematographer who was so instrumental in helping develop the art of cinematography in Germany during the Weimar period before he left uh, around the, you know, time of the rise of Hitler, like so many uh, great artists in that part of the world did, either went to Britain or uh, the United States or both, like someone like Peter Lorre, and so many directors, composers, writers, uh, cinematographers did that. And Freund was one of the most important, and in fact, the whole history of, of Hollywood cinema would be quite a bit different without him and uh, more now and, and some of the other people who, who ended up in Hollywood, at least for a time. Uh, the other two titles that uh, I would recommend have been seriously overlooked or given short shrift in the past, uh, even by uh, people who've written you know, books on Karloff. Uh, West of Shanghai, which Karloff made at Warner Brothers in 1937 
in which he, he took a, a very slyly comic approach to the character of this Chinese warlord, Wu Yan Fang. Uh, and, and this script was based on uh, a play called The Bad Man, which dealt with a Mexican bandit. And uh, so it was uh, transformed into a Chinese story, and it involves uh, some of the current uh, political situation that was going on in China at the time. Uh, and so it has that, that historical political background. But the way Karloff plays the character is uh, it's not really strongly tongue-in-cheek, but it's a very, as I said, slyly comic approach. And at the time, Bosley Crowther, who was a, a curmudgeon, really, for the New York Times, and his reviews are, are often skewed because he's, he was always trying to be so clever and turn a phrase. And, and uh, his, his reviews are as much about him as they are about the film. So he's usually very negative. Not always, but, but quite often. But he loved Carlos' performance in this film at the time. And he pointed out that he admired Carlos for taking this approach to the character. Uh, respectfully, but not taking it so seriously as to make it ridiculous and, uh, and, and perhaps offensive to some people. So it's, it's a film that really needs to be seen more than once. It took me several times over the years in writing three books to, to develop my appreciation for West of Shanghai. So I would recommend that one highly. Uh, the other title is a series, the Mr. Wong detective series, in which Karloff appeared in, in five films at Monogram between 1938 and 1940. And people immediately, understandably, think of Warner Charlie Chan and Peter Lorre's Mr. Moto, uh, two characters which... Uh, for, became very popular at Fox and 20th Century Fox and what were known at the time as Oriental detective films. And they've been more or less controversial at times over the years. Uh, but, for example, Key Luke, whom I've just, I'm just finishing up writing a, a, a massive book about, along with Sen Young and Benson Fong, the other two, major actors who played the sons of Charlie Chan, uh, Luke said that he never could quite understand having, uh, well, he was Chinese, he was born in China, and uh, grew up in the United States and played number one son initially. And he absolutely loved Warner Olin, and he said, he couldn't understand why people came down on him because it was such a positive depiction at the time, taking into consideration the realities of the economic situation in Hollywood with contract players uh, being assigned to roles. And if they didn't take the role, they often were loaned out. And if they didn't want to do that, they were put on suspension and they weren't paid. 
So actors played a lot of roles they didn't want to play. And uh, so the actor really can't be blamed so much for these roles when it was really the studio heads and the whole nature of the studio system and the contract player system uh, along with the, the ethnic prejudice and discrimination that was so rampant at the time and the, the uh, immigration laws and uh, the, the against the Asians in particular. So you had all these elements coming into play. Uh, but when Mr. Wong is mentioned, people immediately think of Chan and Moto. And, and uh, Wong can be included in that subgenre, obviously. But when the character is evaluated and you look at those films and you see what Karloff is doing, uh, Wong was patterned by Karloff after Sherlock Holmes to a certain extent. So he differs from those other oriental detectives in, in several important ways. Uh, Oland and, and Laurie were both European, although Oland reportedly thought and said that he had a Mongolian ancestor. Uh, there never was any evidence found for that claim, and he may have sincerely believed that, but has not been borne out by the facts. And I address these issues to great length in uh, the book I mentioned before, Sons of Charlie Chan, Key Luke, Sen Young, Benson Fong, another book that uh, my wife, Yu Yun Yuningsi Nolan, helped me with, and which will hopefully be out at the end of this year, early in 2022. Um, and it's really a comprehensive study of Asian actors and gold golden age Hollywood. So you get not only Luke, Sen Young, and Fong, but you also get Philip Ahn, Richard Liu, uh, Bessie Liu, Richard's wife. You get all of these other terrific character actors who, who were very busy and very prolific uh, and, and, and did make some inroads and, and, uh, in positive uh, roles uh, as much as they could at the time. As, as limited as they were by all of those issues I mentioned before. So it, 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 that book is a long time coming, and it really was the logical successor to this one, Karloff in the East. And uh, my wife has been instrumental since she's Indonesian and has always lived uh, in Indonesia has a, a perspective that she has brought to, to my work which has always been involved with uh, minority issues. Uh, I've written two books on, on African-American uh, film performers, Paul Robeson and Louis Armstrong. Uh, and then I've also written two books on, on Japanese actors, Takashi Shimura and upcoming Setsuko Hara. Um, so uh, I have a background in this and, and it, it, to me after writing two books about Karloff to write another one it had to deal with this, this issue because no one else had really done it much with it so Mr. Wong uh, as I take pains to point out in, in the book is one of 
Karloff's most underrated and least appreciated characterizations and his only character other than the Frankenstein monster that he played more than once. The series is often dismissed as just another low-budget detective offering, but if one looks at what Karloff is doing in the films, what he did with the role, it's easy to see how he approached it with complete sincerity and his incorporation of the Sherlock Holmes elements are very subtle. Wong is far more personally likable uh, than Sherlock Holmes, for instance. So the films are worth a look just for Karloff's efforts alone. Another title I suggest uh, is The Hindu, also known as Sabaka, from 1953, which, while not being a great film, was shot on location primarily in India and therefore was the impetus that finally brought Karloff to the land of his own ancestors and where many of his family members lived and worked at various times. His brothers, who were all career diplomats, uh, also had similar experiences in China. So, uh, aside from Karloff uh, basically being half Indian and having ancestors from the East. He also had an entire extended family who lived and worked in, in India and China. So there was a rich heritage there that sets him apart from really every other actor uh, who wasn't, uh, you know, you could say 100% Eastern. Uh, who appeared in these in these classic Hollywood films? What about your book should make someone new to Karloff want to read it? What does the book offer to the Karloff fan that may be new to them? I think any Karloff fan will find the book necessary in many respects. It helps dispel the persistent myths, including the outlandish nonsense that can be found on the internet these days. And it includes an enormous amount of new information on the 41 films I have identified as specifically Eastern, either because of the, the characters or the subject matter in the films. Uh, especially his early silent films, some of which are considered lost, and others which very few people have actually seen. Some people will, will talk about, about them like they have seen them because of things that they've read, but being lost, unknown, they can't be seen. So there's, there's really a lot of, of misinformation and myth about Karloff that's still out there and that proliferates on the Internet. And as we know, a lot of uh, that sort of thing goes on now with with uh, cyberspace that you didn't have to deal with uh, in past times when I started doing this work I didn't have to deal with so much uh, nonsense and outright lies that are that are circulating these days uh, and, and and they grow and grow so that's that's another reason why I decided to write this book and as well as covering all of his work in the book, 
not just the Eastern films, but everything he did. Uh, the book also includes uh, updated comprehensive listings of each title on film, television, stage, radio, and spoken word recordings in, in the extensive appendices at the end. Also, I think people who are not that versed in Karloff's career can benefit in a general way from the book. Today, when accurate ethnic portrayals in film and on television uh, is such an important issue, obviously uh, it's a different situation now, uh, perhaps not as far along as we would like it to be, than it was a century ago when Karloff started making these films. The Hope Diamond Mystery, which is this amazing serial uh, that was released in 1921, shot in 1920, so over a hundred years ago, uh, that really, uh, when, I, when I saw the entire restored film, which has only been available for a few years, uh, it uh, really gave me the, the inspiration to do the book, and that's when I really decided to go ahead and and uh, make the move of trying to do this properly. Uh, very little serious work has been published on early portrayals, especially entire books, so this is a study that needed to be done. Uh, and again, I credit my wife for in inspiring the entire project. Uh, it, it never would have happened if I hadn't exiled myself to Indonesia a few years ago, and that's a long story. But for the long-time Karloff aficionados, as my publisher has pointed out, uh, the book provides a very well-balanced and often alternative way of looking at Boris Karloff's pretty extraordinary life and career, uh, unique in fact, outside of the narrow confines of his being labeled a quote-unquote horror icon. And especially since the 1960s, this is really the only way people in general have thought of Boris Karloff. And while he didn't mind the typecasting, today it's become, so, you know, the first thing people mention, of course, is the Frankenstein monster, but they take that and they run with it. And it's the only thing they talk about. And... Karloff appeared in well over 200 films and, and many more television shows, stage productions. Uh, he was very versatile and very well-rounded. That's a word that people use when they talk about Boris Karloff, who really have, have either known him or studied and researched his life, as I have and a few other people have. So... The whole icon thing, to me, is, is very misapplied. Uh, of course, his, his performance as the Frankenstein monster is, is uh, one, one of the, the classic performances uh, and influential performances in the whole history of cinema. But uh, I think Karloff himself, being such a humble man, would you know, be pretty dismissive of, of the way people talk about him uh, after all of these decades of 
you know, film studies and, and people focusing on that, that one line of thought. In fact, the words he would use, and I'll close with this, are sheer rubbish. And I want to thank Scott Allen Nolan for that interview, long-distance interview as far as he's, like I said, he's in Indonesia. And, you know, I know it's a little different for my show, but I am a film buff, a cinema buff. And because the book does talk about the whole issue of race and everything, I thought it'd be something a little different for my show and something that you may be interested in. Because I know I got a number of film buffs that listen to this show. And, you know, just folks who, like I was talking about, and Scott was saying in the interview, who don't know a thing about Karloff, but maybe after listening to this interview, be curious to pick up the book Karloff in the East on McFarland Press and learn some more. The book is almost 500 pages, and I got to say, it is, you know, he did his research, him and his wife, it's amazing. If you just want to read a book about the golden age of Hollywood, learning about film, because it talks about him, but also talks about the other actors and actresses in his movies, the technical people, the things he did when he wasn't acting. It's a fascinating book. I mean, it's, I have not read too many books on just, you know, entertainers that have been as extensive and as detailed as this book. And, it, you know, and I just recommend it highly. Again, it's Karloff in the East. So some of you who don't know how to spell Karloff, it's K-A-R-L-O-F-F. -F. That's Boris Karloff. And I know there's some folks out there who may not, no, I'm not going to look at a uh, silent film. I'm definitely not going to look at a, a black and white. I, all I can tell you is, like, you're missing a whole genre. You're missing, you know, just ignore just uh, silent films. Or just black and white movies. And all. You're missing just the beauty of cinema. You know, when you just look at a movie, look at a film, and look at the art that's involved as far as creating it, it puts it in a different light. So just, you know, if you want to, check out, check out the book, Karloff in the East on McFarland Press by Scott Allen Nolan. And also check out a Boris Karloff movie. There are tons of them on YouTube. You can find them all over online and just look at them. And, you know, you may get, I think you'll get a new appreciation of this actor of the golden age. So I hope, you know, hope you enjoyed that interview. I'll be doing more interviews like this where I am a, uh, talking to someone in another country and because we don't, I don't have a, we can't do the zoom hookup on a blog talk. So I got to do it this way right now, but you know, I hope you enjoy that. And um, if you want to call me right now, it's, um, the number here is five, six, three, nine, 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 three, four, seven, nine. But right now I'm going to do some music here. Starting off, since I, you know, found out a lot of folks like um person I played last week, and we talked about him, I guess, last week, Phil S. Um, Dixon, we were talking about the Negro Leagues, and I'm going to play another, uh, Julie Lee and her boyfriends. This is from 1947. I'm going to do right now King Size Papa, so let's hear that on the Root and Root Show.
I got a man that's more than eight foot tall. Four foot shoulders and that ain't all. King size papa. He's my king size papa. I take the door off the hinges when my baby comes to call. There's such a lot of him. The way he grew enough to last till 1992. King size papa. He's my king size papa. He's a real super daddy and he knows just what to do. No one can thrill me like my baby can. He's such an extraordinary man. King size papa. He's my king size papa. Never was nothing like him since the day the world began. around there's not a thing I lack when he loves me he holds nothing back king size papa he's my king size papa everything that I need he carries in his king size pack they built a boulder dam the empire state and then they made my man and is he great king size papa He's my king size papa. He's the one in a million who can really keep me straight. He's got big strong arms to hold me tight. Then he squeezes me with all his might. King size papa. He's my king size papa. He's my one big moment and I'll keep him right inside. Chicken and rice. All of those dishes are mighty nice. Gather around, you girls, and listen to me. I want to tell you about my baby's recipe. I like my baby's pudding. I like it best of all. I like my baby's pudding. I like it best of all. There's a gal named Miss Fanny Brown. She cooks the best gumbo in this town. All of you chicks can really cook. But Fanny Brown's learned something you don't learn in the books. I like my baby's pudding. I like it best of all. I like my baby's pudding. I like it best of all. Ninety-nine times I've tried to eat all those fine fancy cups of country meat. Just can't eat a single bite. I just don't have the appetite. I like my baby's pudding. I like it best of all. I like my baby's pudding. I like it best of all.
lose me, she wouldn't give no one a pudding but me. Yeah, she promised me she wouldn't give no one a pudding but me. But I don't believe her, I'll just have to wait and see. Gonna watch my baby both night and day, so she won't give my pudding away. My baby's pudding is all she owns, so there ain't no meat for Henry Jones. I like my baby's pudding, I like it best of all. I like my baby's pudding, I like it best of all. I like my baby's pudding, I like it best of all. I like my baby's pudding. I like it best of all. Every time I cook, look like you can't get enough. Fix your pot of soup and make you drink it up. So keep on eating. Oh, keep on eating. Keep on eating. in the morning fix you a ten of line so you can keep on eating keep on eating keep on eating baby till you get out now don't tell nobody that I tried to be tough I just got a man so hard to fill up so keep on eating keep on eating I 
And that's the original funk lady herself, the nasty gal, Betty Davis. I haven't played any Betty Davis in quite a while, but that's game is my middle name. And she, that's one of the best acts I've ever seen. She, you know, she's like, um, there's a documentary about her that you can find on YouTube. You can find it on Amazon, I think Netflix and other places. But all the folks that love funk, they love Betty Davis. She made, um, she did four albums. And then just disappeared. I'm not going to get into the whole thing about her story. you got to look at the documentaries and learn more about her. But she was just incredible. A great performer, way ahead of her time in the 70s. A lot of folks were shocked. The stuff that she was doing on the stage. But you see a lot of entertainers now, both male and female, doing what she was doing. And she was something. And in the background with her, there was the Pointer Sisters. You remember them? The Pointer Sisters, along with the... Sylvester, who was a big disco performer back in the late 70s and 80s, and also she had the backing as far as a band of members of Sly and the Family Stone, um, members of Santana's group, and just an incredible performer and just incredible in person, and she's still with us, and she just needs a lot of love in her life as far as people just, you know, just honoring her, because she really is just an incredible, you know, just amazing, a pioneer. And she was married to, if you don't know, she was married to Miles Davis. And she's the one that has influenced Miles Davis to change his style of music from traditional jazz and bebop to electric jazz, which led to the beginning of which was Bitches Brew and then other stuff that he played after 1967. But Betty Davis, she's something. And I'll be playing more of her off and on in the future, as I've had her in the past uh, for her music. And before that, you know, so we're talking about nasty stuff. Well, I shouldn't say nasty, but it got me, you know, thinking about some of the stuff I was playing in other songs. Before Betty Davis, we did um, The Four Clefts, and I like pie, I like cake. And before that, we did Memphis Minnie and Keep On Eating. And before that, we did Winona Harris, the infamous Winona Harris and I like my baby's pudding, pudding. And we started to set off with Julia Lee and her boyfriends, and that was King Size Papa. And I hope you enjoyed that on the Root and Root Show, as well as I hope you enjoyed my guest today. It was not, in the, not live, but we did a tape interview, and I'll be doing more of those. And that was a Scott Allen Nolan, author of the book, and I say an excellent book, Karloff in the East, talking about Boris Karloff and his role as Asians, as Egyptians, and just, and how, but it's not so much about the roles, about the man himself and the technical aspects of movie making during the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and early 60s, to the mid-60s, as a matter of fact, and what he did, and it's just a very extensive, he did extensive research, him and his wife, a great book if you're a movie cinema buff. Really check it out. If you don't know about Boris Karloff, like I said, go online, look at some of his movies, Frankenstein, to begin your search and all that. But you'll learn about just a kind, gentle person who really is a great actor, really unappreciated. So check that book out. Karloff in the East is on McFarland Press, Scott Allen Nolan, Nolan spelled N-O-L-L-E-N. And I hope you pick that book up. And I'm going to have him back on again because 
when he completes his book on the sons of Charlie Chan, I want to interview him on that. So we'll be doing another interview with him. Excuse me, with him. And you know, right now he's in Indonesia. I'll be back over that way at some point very soon. So we may do a live interview, but we'll probably keep doing interviews around the world this way from now on with MP3s and all, because it's, it's easier, actually. But anyway, hope you enjoyed that interview. And I want to say, as I always say, go in love and go in peace. And if you can, in your neighborhood, in your province, in your community, if you can, help someone, especially a senior in their neighborhood, if they need anything from having their clothes washed, having um, you pick up groceries for them, having a show, uh, snow shovel, leaves raked, or just any little thing, you know, cleaning around their house, their apartment, whatever you can do, and keeping that safe distancing. If you can do that, that would really help. And if they need to get a ride or something, need help getting a COVID shot, anything like that, or they may not even have a mask or even understand what, you know, is entailed as far as you know, going out here, going to get the shot or just going to a store with a mask, you know, help them along with that. And also, if you can help a child in your neighborhood, because as I always say, there are a lot of children throughout the world who aren't in school now. There are a lot of children who don't have a laptop. They don't have a computer. They don't have a tablet. They don't have, some of them don't have phones. They don't have anything to look at, you know, Wi-Fi. So if you could, like, donate or buy a computer, a tablet, whatever, to a child in your community and also help them pay or pay for their Wi-Fi for a couple of months, that would be greatly appreciated because we are all in this together. No one can say, well, I'm not involved in the pandemic. If you're you're for what's going on as far as the measures being taken or you're against what's going on, you have questions about everything, you're still part of what's going on with the pandemic. You can't deny that. So, do what you can to help those around you, your family, your friends, strangers, whoever you can help. That'd be really great. But again, this is Greg Rashid. If you want to reach me, you can go online on Facebook at Greg, G-R-E-G, last name Rashid, R-A-S-H-E-E-D. Greg Rashid, R-A-S-H-E-E-D. I love hearing from people, hearing what you have to say about the shows and ask me if I can play a certain song or have this guest on. I love, you know, I love hearing that, and I promise I do my best to get the folks that you want on the show and the themes and everything. But again, this is Greg Rasheed. Go in love and go in peace and hug someone to keep that safe distancing, but at least fist bump them or something anyway. But just keep the love flowing. Just keep peace out there. But go in love and go in peace. Yeah, this is Greg Rasheed, and we're going to see you the next time on the Root and Root Show. You just take care and stay safe and stay warm and stay cool wherever you are. Take care. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time. And remember, spread the knowledge, share the power.